everyone for listening so far. And we have a couple of shout outs to give to people who commented on our um, Apple podcast. So I'm going to do the first one. It is from Blair. And they said, loving this podcast. Their content is informative and inspiring. I found similar fitness slash life podcasts to be not as relatable. I think the main difference is it is easy to listen to them, especially when you can just hear the authenticity they both execute. They're so down to earth and relatable for so many of us, especially if you're just starting on your own journey towards better health and well-being. This is a podcast for both the new fitness novice and even for the most seasoned of fitness guru buffs. You. <laughs> I, I've suspected. I've suspected. I've subscribed on both Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't want to miss it. Thank oh. you. We love you. Heart. Yes. I'm doing the heart with my hands as you can't see. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, Blair. That means so much. And I love reviews. So I'm going to read another one by Kel. And Kel's is uh, also great. It's, it's short and sweet. And he says, great podcast, timely topics, fantastic hosts. So thanks, Kel. Uh, we appreciate you, and we appreciate anyone who has left a reading. Feel free to leave some more reviews, and of course, we will continue to do shout-outs uh, to anyone who does that, just because, you know, we appreciate you. <laughs> I, I think it's great that, like, when when you and I started this, we just started this because, one, we were locked down and didn't have anything really else to do. <laughs> Too, just because we enjoy helping people and to think that people are actually being helped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, podcast is just crazy. And we have some really great things coming for you guys. We yes. can't we can't disclose it yet, but we're gonna have some really cool people on the podcast. Yes, exciting things ahead. And I think too, when we started or it's hard to know like the reality of your reach with the podcast because there's not as much interaction like there is like with Instagram or YouTube, which can kind of be a good thing sometimes, but <laughs> uh, there isn't as there's not that like instant feedback necessarily. So to to get a little dose of feedback is great. And you know we're we're eight weeks in, so it's just kind of like, oh wow, like this is this is actually helping real people, and it just makes you feel all warm and fuzzy inside. <laughs> yeah, and if, if if you all want us to cover any topics, maybe if you have a lot of questions uh, or anything like that, let us know. We do have an Instagram; it's at Mind Hub Podcast on Instagram, um, and. It would be cool if we did a Q&A podcast, too, where, you know, you all send in questions and we answered it. So that's something that we can do as well. Yes, I think a Q&A podcast would be great. But as soon as there's probably more people uh, aware of the podcast, <laughs> they're like, questions, please. And there's like one. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, sure, we'll cover that. But yeah, uh, potentially, yes, Q&As and all that fun jazz. So suggestions of topics, questions reviews, all the good stuff. So what is the topic of today's podcast? Today, we are talking about mental health uh, regarding to just mental health in general and how it regards to fitness, its importance, and all of that jazz because believe it or not, mental health is also part of the whole picture, the whole equation of health, you know, mind, body, soul kind of uh, dealio 
And without your mental health being in check, the rest, you know, it's you need all of it. It can't be one or the other because, of course, you can be like fantastically fit, but your mental health could be a mess. And in that regard, life still sucks. So you gotta you gotta take care of both. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think my mental health before I started my fitness journey it was a lot worse. Um, probably because I didn't have any self confidence. Uh, you know, I was. I was starting off in my transition. I think I was, I wasn't quite a year in, um, but, or I might've been a year in. Um, but what I found to help me a lot, like with mental health is having some, having an outlet that I can do. That's just me that I'm not really thinking about anything else that I can just focus on like tunnel vision. One thing. I mean, for me, that's the gym and that's lifting and not as much cardio, but you know, <laughs> but I think that everyone struggles with mental health whether they talk about it or not like they struggle with depression they struggle with anxiety like I have a lot of anxiety I don't really talk about it but I have a lot of anxiety like driving when I'm driving like I'm terrified that of the other cars that like they're gonna hit me I'm gonna get hurt like if I have a passenger like I think everyone in a in in some way or another everyone struggles with mental health and it's not talked about a lot. I think it's talked about more lately uh, in the past five or six years than it has been. I remember when I was younger, younger, no one talked about mental health. I didn't learn about mental health in school. Um, even when I started college in 2008, it was like on the cusp of people talking about mental health. So it's it's very important to us, and that's kind of why we wanted to um, talk about it today. Yeah, for sure. You know, growing up for me, mental health also is not talked about, and I'm I, I came from religious background and it was actually frowned upon uh to see like a secular therapist because it was dangerous basically that you might be questioning your faith or it was just that you weren't trusting god enough and so you felt depressed or you felt anxious you know put your worries on god and so not only was there the usual stigma but there was this you're just not praying hard enough or not trusting God or, you know, Satan's trying to, to tempt you or he's testing you. And so, yeah, random tangent, but you know what? <laughs> Fuck that shit. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't, I'm, I was the complete opposite. I only went to church if someone died or if someone got married. So I've only been in the church probably two handfuls of times if if that was it. So when I go in one, I always think I'm going to burn. <laughs> I'm always like, why am I here? Like, what? <laughs> like, no. Yeah. But but religion can be really important to some people. Um, yeah. I'm just not one of those people. But, I mean, everyone needs an outlet. Again, and sometimes religion is that is that person's outlet. Yeah, for sure. I think the, the biggest problem is when religion prevents you from taking care of yourself or you know forcing it on other people or you know something like that so it's like as long as you know you can have your faith and your beliefs just know that it's still okay to take care of yourself and to take care of your mental health it's not anything to do with your relationship with god or your morality so if you are a religious person by all means please take care of yourself and see a therapist still it's okay <laughs> um but yeah, as far as my mental health goes, I have been 
an anxious mess since, you know, as long as I can remember. I still struggle with anxiety, but also specifically social anxiety. And that is originally my first reason for going to therapy because it was just so bad. Um, I couldn't hold down a job. It was like just the biggest thorn in my side because people just don't really understand it to a certain extent like you're just that shy quiet person uh but they don't they don't understand really what's going on in your brain and people generally are they make a lot of assumptions so if you're a quiet person people can assume basically anything about you they could assume that you're an asshole they could assume that you're stuck up they could assume that you're stupid so it's unfortunately a huge uh, barrier sometimes when it comes to making friends, finding employment, and even, you know, getting yourself out in public to work out or go shopping or even making a basic phone call. Um, so that's why I originally went to therapy. And then, of course, long story short, it was all kind of also intertwined with uh, being trans and transition and mental health as far as, you know, it's, it's crazy how much can actually be all tied in together. And at the start of my fitness journey, I started, you know, I was a runner and I started running to kind of combat the anxiety, but that also kind of turned into something, I don't know if like, sorry if I'm just rambling now, this isn't my therapy session. <laughs> no, this is like people like that we're authentic. So, you know, we share our experiences and hopefully they um, help someone. So don't say, don't apologize. There's your anxiety <laughs> coming in. Don't apologize. <laughs> I think like the biggest point that I want to make with the next story is that if you go into a fitness journey in a place of self-hate or in a place where mentally it's, yeah, let's just say a place of self-hate, it can be kind of dangerous because my first experience with getting myself into fitness led me into an eating disorder. And that is, you know, because it was based behind being trans, feeling out of control, not liking my body or feeling seen or just trying to control something. And that's kind of where it, it, it led me to. Uh, and I think that could be the case for a lot of people. So that's kind of why it's always important to make sure to check in with yourself and your mental health to know that when you go into something, is it from a place of love or is it from a place of self-hate? That being said, it's not that you have to like 100% be uh, mentally healthy, like self-love, like you 100% love yourself to get started. You just kind of have to make sure that that is also on your, your health path. Uh, make sure that you are going to therapy, make sure that you have someone to hold you accountable for your mental health as long as well as your physical health because you know you don't want to mess around with with eating disorders and and anything along those lines and you know lucky for me transition is what uh basically changed all that up for me for the most part uh so there was a lot of that tied into gender dysphoria versus being body dysmorphia um, so ever since transition, I've, I've been good, but before that it was like, a 
uh, it was a, a place of like body hate. You know, obviously, I didn't match match how I felt, so that's where it it took me. I think mine was was very similar. I in 2013, I lost I think like 70 pounds, and this was before I I transitioned, and I didn't have any support. Uh, and I did it because the person who I was dating at the time wanted me to lose weight. Uh, and then they weren't supportive at the same time. So it was like, okay. Um, That's weird. <laughs> and I ended up gaining it all back and more. But then when I started to transition, I started to realize like, oh, okay, like I can, like I just, I wanted to live. And I say this all the time. Like I was on vacation right before I started my transition. I was in California with my partner and it was our first time in California. And I just wasn't living. I could barely like walk two miles like when we were in Sacramento and then we went to wine country and like I couldn't do what I wanted to do. Uh, and then I, I and then I got to the point when I got back that I was like, this is it. Like I can't like if I don't do this now, I'm going to die in like 10 years. So because I like I, I struggled with like I wasn't um, diagnosed, but I think I had binge eating um, where I would just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat and not stop, even though I wasn't hungry. And it would be like things that I sh probably shouldn't have had, like fast food and eating out every day and eating out multiple meals a day. Um, but then once I realized that I really just wanted to live my life and not just exist, uh, that's w where it all changed for me. Uh, and I was going to therapy because I had to in order for insurance to cover like top surgery and testosterone, I needed to go to therapy. So I was still in therapy and I was still doing all that and it definitely helped. And then when I started in the gym, it was like everything changed. It was like, wow, like this one thing, because the gym isn't just for lifting. I know that a lot of people feel this way. Like you're there for yourself. You're there to help yourself. It's the only time where you can get to yourself uh, and I think that is really important. And I always say that, that someone finds something. It doesn't have to be the gym. It can be anything. It can be art. It can be music. It can be anything for your mental health that you do for yourself. Because a lot of people, especially people with families, people with kids, like they forget that they are a person outside of their family and they have to take care of the, themselves in order to take care of their family. Yeah, for sure. It's kind of like, you know, that usual analogy, if you're in an airplane and they tell you to put your mask on before you help someone else with their mask. It's like, it's so true though, because if you uh, are not available emotionally to, uh, you know, help someone, like it, it, it just doesn't work that way. So you have to be a whole for yourself. And for me too, it, you know, transition, it, I, I didn't, Sorry if we're turning this all about transition, but it was such a big thing in <laughs> no, my it, life. <laughs> you, like uh, we went from something in society to being the complete opposite. Like, of course, that's. And I think if I didn't transition, sorry to cut you off. If I didn't yeah. transition, I wouldn't have had the courage to start my fitness journey. No, totally. And it's like it was night and day because it's almost before transition you're kind of just like what's the point like no one sees you for who you are anyways you feel invisible you feel unheard and just you know you're you're living but that's it but then after you start seeing yourself in the mirror for like who you saw on the inside after all these years all of a sudden you're just like hell yeah like 
I can see myself, like, people can see me now. I want to live, like, I want to make the most of it. And that just really just changes perspective on things and everything you do seems to all of a sudden have meaning or you even find yourself wanting to do things. Even if you've already done them, you want to do them again because you're like, I'm, I'm me, this is a whole different experience. Like, it's just, it's crazy how it can just turn your whole world upside down. Um, sorry if people listening to this are not trans and are just like, okay, cool. Like, what does this have to do with my journey? But I do want to say, um, I don't know if you remember this or if you've watched this video or he said it a few times, but a beast to beast, for example, he had this video where he talked about his experience with losing a lot of weight and his transformation and the transformation, the way that he described it was so like such a parallel to the way it feels like to be trans. He talked about feeling trapped in his body mm -hmm. and how it just he he didn't it didn't feel like he, it was right it just didn't match you know like and after he lost all the weight he just felt um he wasn't trapped anymore and so i was just like that's oh, so crazy i feel like anyone that has had like a big transformation could probably relate to a transition in some sense that's like yeah you kind of get it <laughs> Yeah, and it's like, especially like trans people who lose a lot of weight, uh, I get a lot of questions like, how do you decipher your gender dysphoria to your body dysmorphia? Mm. And I was and like, it's very difficult. Like, there's a lot of people who like, think that their weight is, is an issue, and it might not be their weight, it could be like, because they're stuck in the, I, I hate saying stuck in the wrong body, but you know <laughs> what I mean. Yeah. Um, but it's just it's crazy because like like you said when someone transitions like no matter what weight loss or like gender or, or whatever any kind of transition a big transition like I feel like they can relate um, and like I think I felt trapped in my body more I think for being bigger than I was for being trans because like I, I had body dysphoria but I only had like top like before I had top surgery, dysphoria. Like, I don't have, like, people say to me, how come you don't have hip dysphoria? And I'm like, because everyone's hips are different. Like, cis men can have the same hips as us trans men. Like, every body is different. I forgot where I was going with that. It just went by. <laughs> it was important, too. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> um, well, if you think about it. <laughs> yeah, I will. That happened to me last week so hard. I was like, damn it, brain fart, which happens a lot actually so I'm sure it'll happen again to me today uh but yeah no like the body dysmorphia and gender dysphoria can be very much intertwined or confused for one another um but that's why therapy is important because you need to go to therapy and be able to have a professional help you sort these things out and diagnose and you know all that stuff <laughs> yes We'll probably get hate for this, but like I believe that everyone who is trans, and I know that it it puts a blockade for people to get hormones and to get everything, and you shouldn't have a therapist decide if you're trans or not and write letters and all this stuff. But I do feel like everyone who is going to transition or is transitioning should see a therapist before they make a big decision because informed consent can be dangerous. Like you're really messing with your health here. You're not yeah. just like, I, 
I was very like, oh, why do I have to wait a year to start TE because I have to wait for a letter for insurance? But I'm glad I did because it makes you think in the long scheme of things like that it's the right decision for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's just that it could, there's so many things that could be going on at once. And it's not that the therapist is there to be like checking off, you know, the box of, yeah, your trans card. It's just like they want you to come to that conclusion on your own by having you talk things out, uh, making sure there isn't any underlying things, uh, you know, trauma, you know, that could be like, that could cause so many different things that we are not aware of. So that's one thing to possibly address with a therapist and biodysmorphia. It really does get confused uh, for gender dysphoria a lot of the time. So there's, you know, there, there are people who go in thinking, they have gender dysphoria and they find out it was body dysmorphia, um, vice versa. So it's, it's just something to consider to, you know, go to a therapist. And of course, you know, there's that, uh, the added wall of what about expenses and stuff like that, but it is becoming more and more available. Even online It's getting more and more, um, or, you know, it's getting cheaper uh, as, with the online stuff, there's usually a lot of options. And I think in a sense, we're looking at it in in the wrong way of, you know, we have informed consent, but the problem lies with the medical system. It doesn't lie with the way that we go about getting things. We should have free therapy. We shouldn't have free hormones. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. I keep on having brain farts. I had something else (laughs) along those lines. Um, Nope. D just can't think today. (laughs) It's all good. We're on this. How did we get what we're talking about now? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I think like, oh, I remembered what I was going to say. I know that people are, I have friends in my life too that are also fed up with finding a good therapist. Yeah. Um, So people are scared to express that all of their fears and all of their like issues and and all of their trauma to one person and then them not enjoy that person so then they have to do it again and that can be traumatic and then they have to do it again and that can be traumatic but i promise you when you do find the right therapist it is worth it yeah like i just can't express that enough because i know it's scary like you're trusting your, your yourself with one person you want that one therapist that you choose or that someone chooses for you to be the right person, but sometimes it takes a couple of people until you find someone that clicks with you. Yeah, totally. And you have to have that, you know, connection with a therapist, but there's more and more resources, more and more directories and ways to kind of filter out anyone that might be like transphobic, for example. Um, I know that there's an online, there's a few online places but I know BetterHelp has like a filter where you can make sure that your therapist is trans friendly so it's like that kind of like just does a lot of the sorting out for you I personally live in a small town uh, so that was difficult for me to find a therapist that I knew would be trans friendly and I ended up finding one it's kind of like 45 minutes away from me but she was recommended by a friend so it's always helpful to ask around and even if it's a therapist that isn't local they might know people that are local to you that are trans friendly um also if you look up on psychology today you can 
you can look up any name that you find locally and you can, it tells usually um, their religious stances or you know if they're friend if they're allied with the LGBT community that kind of stuff so that could be helpful in your search for a therapist however you know it's just because someone's trans friendly doesn't mean you're going to click so that's also something to be aware of I know this is sounding even more appealing by the second uh, but I we're, what we're trying to say is that all of this effort is 100% worth it because it is your mental health and it is important and you wouldn't just go to any doctor so you need to find a therapist <laughs> hello <laughs> house phone I'm at my parents house and they also live in 1972 so we have 800 numbers calling um so yeah see a therapist bottom line <laughs> I can cut that out <laughs> or you can leave it in it's cool <laughs> whatever <laughs> um I know that I know that this episode is kind of like for trans people, but I think everyone can benefit from some sort of therapy or finding something like I keep on saying like that, that is an outlet for you. Um, it just goes back to like me and Cody right now, or Cody and I are back at the gym. Um, I have to go to another state, which is fine. <laughs> but <laughs> we are both back training in the gym. Um, and I know for me, not to speak for him, but the gym, me being back in the gym, it's like my mood is like from like 50% to like 150%. Like I go to sleep every day excited because I get to go to the gym. I know it will fade. But like even just something small can make your mental health so much better yeah for sure and then we have all these people right now d they're like you're crazy you can't sleep because you're so excited to go to the gym <laughs> uh, that was me on monday night like i didn't get any sleep and i woke up at five o'clock and i still went to the gym i got like four or five hours of sleep but like i i wouldn't recommend that don't do that i do try to get more sleep but you know sometimes <laughs> it just doesn't happen we just got like five listeners that are like nope you're too excited to exercise i cannot relate to this no just kidding um but yeah no i mean the mental health aspect of, of the gym or just get, getting in some movement even if it's going for a walk um initially you might not want to but i guarantee you you always feel better afterwards so that is probably the most important thing to uh, keep in mind and when you take care of your physical health uh, it's, you know, it, it, there is a little bit of a, a mental health plus there to also be like, yeah, I'm taking care of my body. This is a step. This is good. And, it, you know, they're all connected. So do both. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do want to say I, I know a lot of people suffer from depression and sometimes they feel bad if they can't get out or they can't get their workout in. Um, and I just want to know that you are valid too. Like, just try to do one thing a day. Like if you really struggle and you can't get out of bed, um, you know, on your bad days, just try to do one thing, whether that be getting up, brushing your teeth, taking a shower, eating when you should, um, or going to the gym. But like, we're not trying to push the gym on anyone. I just want to say that. So like, if you are like, and you do have episodes and you do have moods, like we're not trying to push you. We're just sharing our experiences. We're actually trying to push you to go to the gym, so <laughs> just kidding. Also, you should 
also seek out therapy if you are not able to get out of bed. But therapy, number one, exercise. Number two, uh, when it comes to, let me tell you, your relationship with food and all things fitness is very much so intertwined uh, with your emotions. If you're an emotional eater, food could be <laughs> your coping mechanism. So I always, you know, if you are not someone who's very self-aware, if you go into a fitness journey, it could be really hard to uh, stay on it or stay consistent because if you're not self-aware with how you operate, with how you cope, uh, with your patterns, with your emotions, it can be hard to identify why you keep doing something. So it's like, why do I keep eating this ice cream at night and I can't stop? And and then you hate yourself and you feel like a failure. And it's like, well, it could be because you are stressed and you're trying to regulate and you're trying to make yourself feel better. So this ice cream is kind of a temporary fix. You've been doing this probably for years. That's not going to be a habit that's going to be broken overnight. And and even sometimes, like even me, it happens to me. Like today, I was stressed and I took a handful of dark chocolate chips. I, I did weigh them out after I put them in my hand, but like it still happens. Like yeah. with even with the, the most dedicated and and like the most macro like people who are tracking it, it still happens like it happens to me quite often but then you realize like oh okay <laughs> like i'm doing this uh you're more aware like you said you're more aware of your emotional eating and you're more aware of what you're putting in, in your mouth yeah exactly and not just awareness of doing it but like the why behind it and that's kind of where this like emotional maturity takes place and i, I think that therapy is really eye-opening in that sense and it really does wake you up to some of your your own patterns and I think a lot of people avoid therapy because you don't you know looking in the mirror can be painful sometimes you don't always want to you know find the why behind things or have to process stuff but that's how you get better and I talked a little bit in the past uh, episode where sometimes you have to push yourself into a little bit of discomfort in order to grow. Therapy can definitely be uncomfortable. Uh, improving your mental health can be uncomfortable. And I think that's where people kind of get mixed up because you think, oh, I'm working on my mental health. I'm going to be happy and it's going to be awesome. And it's like, it's going to be uncomfortable sometimes. It might make you feel exhausted because working through uh, some emotional baggage can be difficult and hard. And it, it's a process. It takes some, some time. Uh, it, it, but it pays off. It's the same with fitness. Like it, there's going to be difficult times. It's going to be uncomfortable times. But in the end, it pays off. You just have to keep at it and stay consistent with it. That's kind of basically the key to everything you you ever need in life. I will say, I my my master's degree is kind of like uh, it's part in psychology and part in something else. So when I ha I had to take a class where we were therapists to our classmates, um, and one thing that the teacher said that always stuck with me was like therapy happens on the ride home, like therapy. <laughs> doesn't happen during therapy it happens when you're alone and you're thinking about like what happened during therapy and like 
processing what you talked about in your traumas and things like that. So you might not feel like anything during therapy, but after it is when everything, sometimes when everything hits you. Yeah, for sure. And that's also, um, I guess, I don't know if this falls into like things you could do for your mental health, uh, but that's also where kind of journaling comes into play. Uh, meditation is very popular and I have found out that I hate it. Um, so <laughs> that's another thing. Like you can always decide what you don't like or what doesn't work for you just because meditation is, you know, very popular and it works for many people. It doesn't mean it has to be your thing. I prefer journaling. And I was coming across someone's post the other day, it was a therapist that I follow on Instagram, and I saw this little written said like, journaling is meditation on paper. And I was like, thank you. Yes, like that is what helps me because I'm an anxious person. So sitting there in my my crazy tornado thoughts is not the most calming for me. And I know like the point is to try to calm those thoughts, but it just, it just doesn't happen. So writing it out helps me sort out those thoughts to like physically see what is going on in my brain instead of just hearing loud noise that I, it's just like, what the fuck am I feeling? I don't know. So that's why I choose to write versus meditate. So I'm just like, sit down with some chill music that doesn't really have lyrics. That's not really interrupting my train of thought, journal it all out. And it can just, and then afterwards I feel better because it just, it's like a brain dump. You just get it out of your brain and then you know what's going on with yourself. And that's something I've always journaled, but after starting testosterone, this has been so much more important because for some reason I have a harder time knowing what is actually wrong with myself <laughs> emotionally. <laughs> I, I might feel like angry or just like agitated and I'm just like, what is going on? And then I don't know until I like sit down and write it out and figure it out. Yeah. See, when, when I started tea, I was worried I wasn't going to cry anymore because it people always say I don't cry anymore no I still cry <laughs> well which that... crying is 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 fine you yep. can be emotional you can do whatever you need to do to let it all out yeah and I think gosh it's so important for like men in in this day and age I feel like there's so much just pent up anger because <laughs> i like, see it yeah yeah it's you see it on the internet like every two seconds but it's just like yo it's okay to feel things and i it's just all this repressed emotion and that just causes a whole lot of trouble it's like we have a lot of problems because men just aren't okay with feeling things <laughs> especially the um the boomers. <laughs> yes, this is true, for sure. So it's it's getting better, uh, but it's gonna be a while because along just like mental health, there is this stigma with men being okay with sharing their feelings or being or expressing their feelings and being emotional and crying. And um, I was always opposed to crying in front of people, like. I, I still very rarely do it. I just think it's, for me, it's more of a trust thing versus like, a, I'm a man, I'm not going to cry. It's just like, I have to really, really trust someone because that's just like the most vulnerable spot 
for me that I can think of. Uh, so I don't just, I don't just shed tears for anybody. <laughs> Your future wifey is is listening. <laughs> She's like, I'm about to make you cry. <laughs> uh, so to go full circle, what are your top five um, tips that someone can do if they want to start improving their mental health? Top five tips, I would say. Number one, find a good therapist. Just do it. It might it might take a lot of effort, a little effort, whatever, but please, please do it. It will be eye-opening and life-changing, I promise. Uh, tip number two, don't, well, be aware if you are starting a fitness journey, where it's coming from. Uh, if there's outside pressures due to, you know, wanting to look a certain way or if it's coming from a place of self-hate be aware of of your feelings around that uh is this for something because you want to improve your health and you love yourself or is it because someone is pressuring you to lose weight or you feel like you're you're less than or anything like that because those mindsets can definitely be a bit dangerous um always make sure to set time self-care for yourself um set boundaries with people like it's okay to take time to yourself it's okay to say no to things i say no a lot except for thanks to quarantine i have not had to say no for a long time because it's like i'm just that introverted person who needs that recharge so if it fret recharge sorry that sounded weird for a second um who needs like space and stuff so people like hey you want to hang out and I'd always feel bad for saying no and I'd feel anxious like building up to it uh but I have finally learned how to do that even if I feel bad uh so if you need time to yourself feel free to set boundaries it's okay if your friends are your friends they will understand what else do I have five Sleep, that's always important for mental health. Uh, eating well is also important. Believe it or not, what you eat can definitely 100% affect your mental health because your body needs nutrients. It's all working on one system. It is not separate. So your overall health and your mental health are connected. You need to feed your body the nutrients it needs, the, the nutrients your brain needs. I'm not saying you can't ever eat like junk food or you know you can't eat your treats that you love but make sure to eat your vegetables come on you know you know the drill uh and then get some movement in you know even if even if you're just like not wanting to do it even just a walk i think getting out for a walk daily even if it's just 10 minutes 20 minutes can give you a good boost and not only that but it can kickstart any sort of motivation that you might be lacking for the day because you can just clear your head and your body's made to move, believe it or not, even if you don't want to. Um, it's it's a good thing. I think that's it. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, that is a perfect way to end the episode eight of the My Hub podcast. And I wanted to say, please leave a comment on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. Let us know if you want to see anything, um, what you not see anything, what you want to hear, what you want us to cover. Um, we're open to pretty much anything with like mind, mental health, fitness, weight loss, muscle gain, anything. So 
Thank you, everyone. Thank you, for sure.